Is everybody ready? Let's get rolling. This is The Big Show on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. Big Show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Uh, Let's jump out to the Zone phone. Uh, The T-Mobile special guest line. T-Mobile and Sprint are coming together to build the best wireless company around. Visit T-Mobile.com for online services and local store availability. He's a former BYU uh, quarterback and our Cougar insider here on the Big Show. He's our friend Tanner Mangum. Tanner, out of a a scale of 0 to 10, what's your enthusiasm for the uh, holiday of Halloween? Oh, I'd say it's up there. I would say it's a good Eight, okay. maybe eight point five. Yeah, I'm a big Halloween guy. Now, I, uh, uh, you have a young it helps, daughter. It helps having a. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, it helps having a little, a little girl who loves Halloween and kind of reinstills that love for Halloween that I had as a kid. I kind of get to relive it through her eyes. So. It's definitely taken it up a notch the last couple of years. I was going to say, oh, here's, sorry, a go pro- ahead, here's a problem, Tanner. Uh, Jake doesn't even want to carve a pumpkin. Neither does Austin. Ouch! No, no, no Halloween spirit. I feel like it's it's a uh, it's kind of like a, a Scrooge. Are you Halloween Scrooge? Or well, very little enthusiasm, Tanner. Although I will do it because I've got a I've got a three year old and she's starting to get into it. So I get where you're coming from, and, and your daughter is a little older than mine. But I wanted to know what she has decided you are dressing as this year. <laughs> so she she is very thorough in her themes. Last year was a Nightmare Before Christmas theme, so okay. she was Jack Skellington. Uh, my wife was with Sally, and then I was I was uh, I was Locke, one of the little minions. And this year it's a, it's a Guardians of the Galaxy theme. Nice. Is going to be Groot. Sydney will be Rocket, and I'm going to be Star Lord. So it's going to awesome. be good. Awesome. I, I'm, I'm, uh, it's been decided I will be goofy for the second year in a row. So that's, <laughs> at least I have the costume. Awesome. Well, next, year, next year you'll, you'll switch it up. What am I going to be? It's funny Tanner yeah. mentioned that. I might end up being Jack Skellington because ah. our two-year-old is obsessed with The Nightmare Before Christmas. Okay. There you what, go. What about you, Gordo? Love it. Gordon? Uh, <clears throat> Asleep? Yeah, man watching TV. <laughs> in a bathroom. Yeah, in a bathroom. Yeah, uh, I don't know. Ignoring we'll the door. Uh, <laughs> let's talk uh, some Cougar football, Tanner. Give us, uh, give us kind of your review of uh, this week's game. It, it was far from perfect, but they got the job done still. They got the job done, but unfortunately, when they're already in this situation, we've, we've talked about this the past few weeks, when you're playing a schedule that's as criticized as it is, you have to win your games in convincing fashion if you're going to convince the, uh, the, the country, the voters, the, the, uh, the analysts, analysts, the pundits, that, that you're, you're legit. I was surprised to see that they even jumped a spot in the AP poll to 14 uh, after after the win a win is a win i i will give them that you know you'll, you'll take it any way you can get but when we're talking about trying to fight for a top 10 ranking or a uh you know a a, a, a top tier bowl game then you're gonna have to win in, in more convincing fashion i thought overall they they moved the ball it wasn't a wasn't a question of of putting up um yards it was just a matter of finishing drives it was a matter of 
um, going out there and, and getting into the end zone and, and you know converting on third downs. And then I think it was just a little bit sloppy overall. UTSA you have to give them credit for for coming out and putting up more of a fight than I think everyone gave them uh, or than everyone expected. I mean, the Cougars were 35-point favorites, and to only lose by seven, is, it was a good showing on their part. But definitely, I know I know BYU was uh, disappointed that they didn't play as as well as they should have. But at the end of the day, they'll take a victory. And it looks like it didn't hurt them too bad in the rankings. Tanner, uh, you said they were 14th in the AP. They're 13th in the coaches' poll. And uh, I, I was a little surprised by that as well. Uh, the Cougars' defense gave up 359 yards. Did that uh, come as a surprise to you? Yes. I, I, I think yeah, in my previous comments, I was only focusing on the offense. It was my, my quarterback bias. But at the end of the day, you have to look at the whole team and the defense did give up way too many yards, especially given the, uh, the, their stoic performances in, in the weeks prior against Navy, La Tech. Uh, you know, they've just been dominant. And so I was surprised to see that they were a little bit more porous on, on Saturday, uh, especially given this UTSA team who hadn't, you know, typically, you know, been, they, they were three and one, but they hadn't. Um, you know, one in convincing fashion. They they kind of squeaked by a couple, and uh, and I just didn't, didn't expect that from the BYU defense. And I think especially when uh, Lowell Narcisse came in, I mean, he had overall a really great game. I, I saw he had the top he had the top quarterback rating in the country after Saturday's axe was was second, uh, ironically. But you know that that quarterback change helped them, and especially that last drive where they just, they just marched on the field. To, to cut it to a one-score game, it looked a little bit too easy. Uh, I know, I know the coaches were uh, not pleased with the uh, the way that the Cougars finished uh, on, on that last drive, giving up just easy yards, making it too easy for them to to just kind of nick and dime their way down the field. I want to run this by you, Gordon. And I were talking about it a little bit uh, earlier on in the show. Uh, but to make a few mistakes in this game and still get a win might not be the, the worst thing in the world uh, from this angle, Tanner, that there are really three games that, that really matter the most on this uh, BYU football schedule. San Diego State, Boise State, and Houston. Those are the three best teams that they're going to play. Houston, of course, this week on Friday. Maybe it, it isn't the worst thing in the world to, to have some things to work on and practice this week and be brought down to earth a little bit to, to be at their best against one of their better teams. Agreed. If you're going to have a game like that, it's good to do it the week before this Houston game. It might serve as a little bit of a wake-up call that they're not maybe as 100% ready to go um, as as they should be. And 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 so Houston obviously presents a, a bigger challenge than UTSA. Last week won their game despite having a minus five turnover margin, which is amazing. It is incredible. Shows that they can put up points, they can overcome mistakes, and is 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 good. This is you know this is what I'm looking forward to is seeing a, seeing BYU against a team like Houston, um, and and then as you mentioned, Boise State and San Diego State down the road, because these are the these are the types of games where it's gonna uh, expose you a little bit more. You can't get away with with little mistakes, can't get away with uh, being sloppy or or having penalties. Uh, which BYU had, had had a lot of on Saturday, 
And and so it's going to be interesting to see this week and how they bounce back. I, I think they will bounce back. I think this definitely serves as, as a as a bounce. Sorry, it serves as a wake up call. Uh, they're going to be. I know the coaches are going to be on them in practice. Um, you know, just letting them know that maybe they got to you know just step it back up. We got to got to pick it up a notch. Pick up the intensity up. Uh, pick up the uh, the level of preparation, and uh, and just pick up the the level of execution on the details, the little things. Because like I said, BYU moved the ball. They had 300 yards of offense at the half. It wasn't like they were struggling overall. It was just little things, details, penalties, uh, turnover on the first drive, little things like that. that they got to clean up to help them uh, bounce back this week against Houston. So, Tanner, like you talked about, uh, well, the Cougars gave up 287 yards passing to UTSA. Houston can throw the ball pretty well, so that's something they're going to have to shore up. My question to you is, how difficult is it for college-age athletes to responsibly get up for every game? Not just get up for every game, but prepare for every game in a manner that's necessary for it to perform up to its potential. I think a lot of it has to do with the the level of preparation that goes on during the week. If you're, uh, it, it it comes and goes because every now and then you you get into a little bit of a lull week after week. You can feel like, especially after the way that BYU's dominated this first few weeks, it, it's possible to, to get into a little bit of a lull, feeling confident, feeling like that you, if you just do what you've been doing, that you'll be okay, that it'll work out. And if you don't, maybe you don't bring that same type of internal competitiveness, that internal fire to a practice. You don't bring that same type of drive or that same type of excitement to a workout or to a film session where you don't bring that that attention to detail uh, to, to certain position meetings because you just think, oh, we'll be okay. You know, we'll be good. You know, like I said this before, it doesn't matter who you're playing. If you're, if you're a competitor, you, you're excited to play and you want to go out and give it your all. And I, I don't think that necessarily changes, but, but I think there is that extra um, gear that you can get into uh, or that, or that you could not get into if you're feeling a little bit comfortable, if you're feeling a little bit um, relaxed. And so I think after this, this past week, this UTSA game can serve as a wake-up call to maybe get them into that next gear, preparing as best as they can, working as hard as they can, to, you know, paying attention to every little detail in film throughout the week, and and uh, get, just getting a little bit more dialed in, knowing that this week they have an even tougher opponent. Uh, who who has a has more of a prolific offense than UCSA did, and so I think that you know that defense has to clean things up, and so I know they'll be they'll be you know really tough on them on the film from Saturday, and they'll be tough on them during all week in practice because you know this is a bigger challenge, and so they got to be able to both the coaches and the players have to step it up just a little bit uh, just to you know to, to clean up those things from Saturday and to not repeat those same mistakes this week. So kind of on that note, uh, Tanner, with sticking with the defense for a second, going into this season, uh, Gordon and I talked about this quite a bit. Uh, we thought BYU was going to be pretty good. Um, 
But uh, on defense, some of the similar concerns remained uh, pass rush and secondary because they've had trouble getting pass rush the past couple of years, and sometimes the secondary can be hit or miss at BYU. And through the first few games, those didn't seem to be issues against Texas San Antonio. Those kind of reared their head again. Should we still be concerned? I think there's, I think there's definitely a, a cause for concern. Uh, you have to look at the opponents that they've played. And, and Navy never passes it in, in, in the first place. So I, you kind of expect that. Uh, and then Louisiana Tech, same thing. Not 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 a great opponent overall. Um, and I'm blanking on the third opponent. Troy. Right? Troy. 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 Yes, of course. Uh, Coach Pugh down at Troy. Again, not the greatest opponent overall when it comes to having a prolific offense that's going to put up points. So when you face a, a, a opponent like UTSA and you give up that many passing yards, that does make you. A little bit skeptical, especially because you know going into Houston, which has a much more prolific offense, can put up points, can overcome turnovers. Yeah, it does. It does. You know, there's there's uh, there's evidence for it. You're not crazy to have a little bit of doubt because I think that's when the the overall athleticism difference can rear its head. And by that I mean when you play when you when you pit BYU against a more um, I guess elite type of team, like an you know an SEC team or an ACC team, or you know even some some Pac-12 teams, the athleticism ability is is lacking comparatively between BYU and those teams. And teams can exploit that. You know, if BYU secondary isn't quite as athletic, um, you know they they can exploit that. But that being said, there are things they can do to counteract that. Last year against USC was a great example. USC obviously had great receivers, good passing game, um, you know, good athletes. But BYU, through their scheme and then through through some big time plays that were made, were able to counteract it. So it's possible. It's obviously not impossible to beat a team that's more athletic than you. But the point is, the point I'm trying to make is that there is a little bit of concern, knowing that Houston will have some athletes. They're you know that they, they have uh, a good passing game. So BYU just, is just going to have to be sharp both in their schemes the uh the, the way that they they line up and, and just decide whether to bring pressure or just go with you know bring four drop seven or just rush three drop eight and that's which, which, which they did a lot of against usc it just you know it, they're gonna have to be sharp on their strategy um because because as, as we saw last week there are occasionally some holes and some uh, some weaknesses that can be exploited so Tanner, this last week, uh, Zach Wilson had 30 pass attempts, and BYU ran the ball what about 38 times or so. I don't have it in front of me right now, but it seemed at times that they could have run the ball effectively more. As a former quarterback, it varies from week to week, an opponent to opponent. I get that, but what's the what is the perfect ratio of pass versus run when you have? Some guys back there like Algier who can who can get you over a hundred yards. So the ratio is always going to change week to week. It really depends on who you're playing and what their strengths and what their weaknesses are. I thought BYU came out hot. I mean, that first drive just made it look easy, just marching down the field with with drop back down the field passes. Where they got a little bit, I think, 
out of sync was when they kind of started to get a little uh, out of that normal rhythm. They started doing, uh, they brought in some jet sweeps, and then they brought in the you know on third and long uh, that that the wide receiver drag screen where they you throw it to the wide receiver coming coming on the drag, you throw it to him behind the line so guys can be downfield blocking, a play that we ran way too many of in 2018. Um, and then, and then a lot of uh, designed rollouts or, you know, delayed designed rollouts that are delayed, things that just that just weren't working. And, and it, there was kind of a lull there in that second, third quarter where the offense just wasn't clicking. But then it almost tried to go, I guess, too much the other way, where okay, now let now let's run it. And it just there wasn't there wasn't a lot of, um, I guess, mixing it up in between and 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 uh, and keeping things fresh and unpredictable where BYU is good is when they can just do those drop, drop back down the field passes. And then you saw it on Saturday when, when, when they decided to just take some shots down the field, allow Zach to just drop back, make his reads and, and allow guys to get open and make plays, big plays were made. But when things kind of start getting, um, you kind of start playing hesitant, you start playing a little bit conservative. Uh, even on the third and long, there was a run play that was called, um, you know, I just think that's when you get out of your rhythm, things get out of sync, you get the three and outs, and uh, you're just not you're not firing in all cylinders. So back to your question, the ratio is going to change, but you need to. I think it's best when it's mixed. If you mix it up, if you go you know down the field pass, uh, mix it up with run, mix it up with some play action, and then you know occasional rollouts, occasional screens, but it you know it has to be. Uh, a variety that's sprinkled in here and there throughout the game, or else you can't just stick to one thing all the time, or else it gets predictable. But when you're when you're changing it up, that's when it makes it a little bit harder on the defense because they don't know what's coming. Thank you, Tanner. We always appreciate you checking in, man. Appreciate it, guys. Thanks for having me. That's our friend Tanner Mangum uh, joins us each and every Monday at five here on the Big Show on ninety-seven five and twelve eighty the zone. I thought he, what he said right there about uh, the the pass rush and the secondary still being a uh, uh, a, a concern. I thought that was a, a real uh, honest take from Tanner right there because I'm a, a you know it it didn't look good. That that was the you know mistakes aside, Gordon. That was the part that that concerned me the most because that might be kind of built in. Well, yeah. I mean, we talked about losing focus and not preparing properly and we covered all that but at what level are you prepared properly and yet you you still aren't able to stop the pass right exactly i mean is that is that what we were looking at in that particular case i i didn't think utsa could throw it very well well they they punished the cougars uh uh, with uh, as I said, those 287 passing yards and a bunch and a number of touchdowns. So against Houston, that's something the Cougars are going to have to get straightened out. Yep, no doubt. All right, coming up next, uh, we're going to talk about the Oakland, mm, Las Vegas Raiders. <laughs> Jeez, uh, come on! If they're your team, you need to know what city they play in. Yeah, yeah, you'd think so. Uh, are friend, they your team? Oh, they're my team all the way. Uh, Silver and black. I got a tattoo yesterday. Uh, Keon Myers from Silver and Black today is going to join the show. We'll have him back on and uh, talk about the big win over the Chiefs and uh, how they were able to do that and how they were able to hold on. We'll get to that coming up next. Don't don't chuckle at me, Austin. I'll get it no, right. No, I'm laughing at something else. I'm only yeah. a professional. You, you, know? you weren't. It's not, it's not about you. Oh, okay. Gordon, check your text. Uh, 
We'll talk about kidding. the Las Vegas Raiders coming up next. <laughs> Stay tuned, 97.5 and 1280 of the zone. Just win, baby. So Carr from the gun fires deep down the right side. Caught by Aguilar at the 20, 10, 5, into the end zone. Nelson Aguilar with a beautiful catch and run as Derek Carr brings the Raiders right back into the thick of things. That's a way to do it. Carr's going to go back into the gun. Chiefs rush five. Carr's going for the home run ball. Got a man open. It's Ruggs. There he is. Ruggs. Touchdown. Jackpot, baby. Jackpot. Vegas leads it. The Raiders are three and two. Playoffs. You better believe it, baby. We are on our way, Lincoln. We are headed. Bye week is up next. And then bring in Tom Brady. Let's see if he has another senior moment here in Las Vegas. Jackpot, baby. Raiders beat the Chiefs 40 to 32. Big Show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Uh, of course, we are your home of the Las Vegas Raiders, so we'll have Lincoln Kennedy and Brent Musburger on our airwaves for every Raider game. God, Brent Musburger is amazing. So cool that he's doing those Raider games. He's, he is just remarkable. Uh, let's talk a little Las Vegas Raiders. Let's get out to the T-Mobile special guest line. T-Mobile and Sprint are coming together to build the best wireless company around. Visit T-Mobile.com for online services and local store availability. He makes the magic happen for silver and black today. Uh, if you listen to that program, you may know him as Q. He is our friend Keon Myers here on the big show, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Q, thanks for coming back on, uh, on with us. We appreciate it. Absolutely. Coming in after a, a Raider victory over the Kansas City Chiefs, of course. <laughs> How about that, man? What what a football game. It was exciting to watch. And uh, I'll tell you what, that that's a signature win right there for this Raider team. I mean, that's a signature win for the team. That's a signature win for the head coach. That's a signature win for the quarterback. Yeah, you hit it right on the head. Absolutely a signature win. And, look, it's only week five of the season. That is something that they could use and really, you know, kind of build off of uh, going forward the rest of the season. Unfortunately, they got to buy this week, and so they can't really just get back right onto the field. But they get an opportunity to get some guys healthy and, again, still build off of what they did and what they know they can do now, which is go and win games against some of the heavy hitters in the league. So if I had told you before the game, Q, that the Raiders were going to have more passing yards and more rushing yards than the Chiefs, would you have been surprised? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I I think that, uh, you know, the Raiders having more rushing yards than the Chiefs wouldn't have surprised me or shocked me. But having more passing yards, absolutely. You know, with with, uh, Patrick Mahomes being the guy that he is and being able to throw the ball around the yard and, uh, just uh, any any time there's a play, it's open for him. I mean, there, there's just no stopping that guy. You literally have to get him to the ground every time or he has a chance. And so, yeah, I would have definitely thought that the Chiefs would have had more passing yards. But uh, ultimately, they didn't. And that's a hats off to the Raiders' defense for making things happen, especially in that second half. The Raiders are 3-2 are and two now uh, with that uh, big-time win, obviously. Um, Derek Carr... Uh, 128 of 175, 73.1% completion percentage, 1,442 yards, 11 touchdowns, one interception. I know that there are some quarterbacks out there like Russell Wilson who are playing out of this world, but how is he not getting more run? 
Well, you know, it's always going to be a question about if Derek Carr is the guy, if Derek Carr is John Gruden's guy. There's always going to be a lot of questions. A lot of people don't respect his game, even though if you look across the league and the landscape of the league, a lot of quarterbacks are taking what the defense can give them and, uh, and going with it from there. But uh, Derek Carr catches a bunch of flack, and a lot of it's from his own you know, fan base. But either way, it doesn't really matter. Uh, he's out there playing really well in year three under John Gruden, now sitting at three and two, got the monkey off his back by picking up that first victory ever in Arrowhead. That was a big deal for him. And, again, now he could just build off of that. I don't think he's ever going to get the recognition that he should. Uh, again, you know, going back to 2016 when they were 12-4 and four and went to the playoffs, he was in that conversation about league MVP, but it was, it was a slight conversation. And then, obviously, we all know how that ended up, breaking his ankle and, and not making it to the playoffs. And Connor Cook was a starting quarterback, took the L, and, well, they haven't been back there since. So uh, I think that he'll start to get attention of the league, especially if he has performances like he did on Sunday, really airing the ball out and using Henry Ruggs, that speed that, uh, that he has, to stretch the field and make some big plays happen. You mentioned Ruggs there and his speed. Nothing says speed more than having two receptions but totaling 118 yards and a touchdown. No, it doesn't. You can't go wrong with that. You know, getting a 73-yard uh, touchdown catch and run to get his very first touchdown of the, his NFL career was awesome. But, I mean, you could just see he's, he's just on a different gear. He has a different gear than other guys in the league. And you can see a defensive back running with him for a little while. And all of a sudden, he gets a step on him. Or even if he's even with him, he's not really even because he's about to kick into that extra gear and it's lights out, you know. So he shows what he could be. Not only is he a speedster, not only does he have those wheels to stretch the field, but he also has really good hands, so he's going to catch the ball first and then pick up the yards afterwards. That's the difference between him and some of the other guys that have been in the league or some other guys that have been on the Raiders that are just fast athletes and not really good wide receivers. He's a fast guy, but he's a really good wide receiver as well. Q, as you can imagine, uh, we have a lot of listeners that are University of Utah fans, and uh, the Raiders yeah. signed Devontae Booker this year, and he had um, seven carries against the Chiefs, 62 yards, including uh, breaking open a, a 43-yarder. Uh, of course, Josh Jacobs is the guy, and he's great, but uh, talk about Devontae Booker and his role on this team. I'm glad you brought him up, man, because really uh, one of the biggest keys to the game, in my opinion, was the play of Devontae Booker. Even though he only had those seven carries, that 43-yard run that, that you mentioned, that was so pivotal. That was big. I mean, that really kind of opened up the run game for the Raiders, put them in the good field position, and really gave Josh Jacobs an opportunity to stand on the sideline and, and rest a little bit and be fresh for the end of the game when they really needed him to be the, the hammer, and, and that's what he was. But Devontae Booker, to, to his credit, and I was a guy who didn't believe when the Raiders signed him, I didn't think that he was even going to make the roster coming out of training camp. I was very skeptical. Uh, but all he's done is go out there and show and prove that he deserves to be there and he could be a good compliment to Josh Jacobs. And uh, John Gruden said today in his media session that, you know, you're going to see more Devontae Booker because he has shown that he could be the guy that is a very complimentary back and, and they are a nice little one-two punch. And, again, helps keep Josh Jacobs uh, – healthy and, and fresh for the end of the game where he could be the finisher. But Devontae Booker is going to do some big things, and I expect to see him get more than, you know, five or six carries a game. I'm, I'm expecting to see him, you know, play, play quite a bit moving forward, and he's earned that right. What do you think the Raiders need to do to improve? What, what area it needs the most attention? 
Well, I mean, they still need to be consistent. They, I mean, you know, it's nice to get that victory over Kansas City. And it's nice to be 3-2 and two going into the bye. But, you know, you can see that the defense is still uh, struggling at times, even though they played really well and had a tall task at hand trying to get after Patrick Mahomes all day. But, you know, uh, they, they still gave up 24 first-half points and ultimately 32 total points. So the defense has got to continue to gel and get on the same page and not have some blown assignments. But, uh, that's 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 what it is, you know. That's just a it, that's how the whole 2020 season is, in my opinion. They just need to keep working with no preseason, with no OTAs. It's a work in progress. You're only as good as is what you could do and put out there on the grass. And and really, the practice time, the like I said, the training camp time, it was very minimal leading up to the season. So uh, as long as they continue to work, work on their communication, get some bodies healthy. Trent Brown being back was huge. Henry Ruggs we already talked about him, but he had been out for two games. That was huge. So, really, it's all about, you know, just getting healthy and getting that defense on the same page so they can gel and, uh, you know, maybe not give up 32 points a game. Maybe only give up, you know, 24 points and then giving the Raiders an even bigger chance of winning multiple games and taking a run to the playoffs, which I expect them to be a playoff team in 2020. Last thing for me, Q, uh, Max Crosby is is a fine player. He's in his second year. I'm, I'm sure the franchise uh, really likes what he's doing. But couldn't help but notice he's already gotten himself a Raiders tattoo. Now let me ask you this. Is that a bold move or something that might look foolish if he ends up on another team? No, you know what? I mean, I think that that's cool. And the reason I do, and he's not the only Raider. Max Crosby did it. Josh Jacobs did it. Cleve Pearl did it. Uh, multiple guys have Raiders tattoos, but – like these guys are in the NFL, and that's who drafted them. Those are the guys that drafted them. That's who, who gave them an opportunity at their dream of playing on the next level. And plus, I think it just kind of tells you that they enjoy being Raiders. You know, they really want to be a Raider. They want to be part of the story, which is turning that, that franchise around and, and being part of the building process and, and getting back to the playoffs and getting back to the commitment to excellence and just win, baby. And, you know, they kind of they kind of have that image of what a Raider is, you know. So I, I don't think it's a, it's a bad move. I, I think it's pretty cool. Uh, like I said, kind of showing the fact that they love being Raiders. And, and uh, yeah, he's not the only one. I thought it was, it, was, it was really cool when I saw that he got his, though, as well. Well, Q, we appreciate you jumping on with us and uh, keeping us updated. And uh, enjoy the bye week. Uh, the next one against the Bucks should be really interesting. Yeah, no doubt about it. Hey, next time I talk to you guys, I hope you guys got your Raider tattoo as well. I've got my appointment already. You know, I found a, a, a COVID-friendly parlor, and I'm happening down there uh, this week. Well, which uh, right. Q, right. Q, Q which right. one should we? Which one should we go with? Should we go with the the raider with the sword in the background, or what? Do you have any suggestions? I mean, you've got to go with the logo. It, it, it doesn't get any better than the logo. You know, you just okay. got to go with that. That's that's how I got mine. Not gonna lie to you. Years ago, when I was just a, a young dude and a fan coming up, man, I got one in the middle of my back. So you guys can join the club. We could all be we could all be raider buddies. Okay, I, was, <laughs> uh, I like the middle of the back idea, Q. But what about like a what about a portrait? of Al Davis. <laughs> you know, I've seen some really good ones. I'm not going to lie. I've seen some really good ones. Uh, I actually lost a bet, and I was supposed to uh, go get a John Gruden one, a Chucky one, when he returned as the head coach because I said I would if he ever returned as the head coach. And I haven't done it yet, but and maybe sometime I will, and I'll, I'll tweet it at you guys so you guys can check it out. Awesome. <laughs> You're the man, Q. Thank you very much for jumping on with us. We appreciate it. All right, that's uh, our friend Q Myers from Silver and Black today. Yeah, just a portrait of Davis, Al Davis. I mean, Mark Davis, I just don't like the haircut very much now. Al Davis, I, I think full back tattoo. Uh, 
Al Davis, really? You're gonna go with the wire rims? You're gonna I mean Yeah, the he, wire uh, rims but hanging on the, the, the chums or whatever, the you know how he <laughs> wore the reading glasses uh, things. Yeah, I that's that's the Al Davis I'm looking for. Okay. You know who would love that tattoo? My wife. <laughs> but she would. she would love she would love you'd that. Be, She'd said, you'd be who, on your way who out on earth is door, this man. wrinkly old man that you got tattooed on your back? Oh, don't worry. That's Al Davis. For some reason, uh, when you said that, I thought we were going to have you do a, a incriminating audio of my wife's pet name for me is Al Davis. Is that, oof. I don't like and that. And then I realized, oh, you meant it sarcastically. Yeah, I don't like She's that. Wait, speaking, of, speaking of incriminating audio, what are we going to have uh, Austin do? I don't care. Um, it's up to you guys. I'm not even playing. What really, just, bo- really bothers How about simply, Maybe. I miss my hair? Oh, no. There's no reason. He doesn't. He doesn't. It looks good the way he is. I wouldn't take hair back if it was offered. How about, how about, um, I'm thinking of trying out a toupee. Oh, no, no, no. I got a much better one. How about, of course I love the Not Sports Report? Oh, I mean, I do have morals to stand up to. <laughs> I, think I don't think we should. Do, I don't. I think we should do this tomorrow. Let's no, it's today a, or let's never. Let's I'm the producer. Sleep I make it. these rules. No, you do it's not. It's in the next 15 minutes or forget about it. Not have. That's not <laughs> the rules. You've had three hours. Actually, you've had weeks to think this over. We'll get to it tomorrow. Don't worry. It's fine. I'm out tomorrow. Okay. It's fine. All right. All, right. All right. Stay tuned. More big show next. 97.5 and 1280 the zone. Well, since my baby left me, well, I found a new place to dwell. Well, it's down at the end of Lonely Street, that heartbreak hotel where I'll be. I'll be just a lonely baby. Well, I'm so lonely. I'll be just a lonely Big show. Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Been a fun day today. For a Monday. Uh, I, I feel like we've been upbeat and lively. And you haven't hurled uh, tons of personal insults at me today, Gordon, which has been nice. I was tempted a couple times, but no. Did you just uh, throw? Did you just uh, eat something when I you did. heard the bumper music again? Why do you do that? I've never understood that. Just a buggy. Like we've got the whole break where you can eat whatever you want, and then all of a sudden you hear the sultry tones of Elvis Presley, and it's like, oh man, I've got to cram this whole wedge of Gouda cheese into my face. <laughs> no, it's just a little snack. Sorry. <laughs> could add it like, all right. I, I won't I won't let it bother me because it it seems to happen from time to time. I'm developing that uh, that thing where what's it called Maya Maya something where you hear people chewing and it makes you ill. I'm developing <laughs> that with Gordon because the the secret out there is I always have Gordon in my ear, no matter what Gordon's doing. I'm hearing it, and it's that'll get to you. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Okay, just as I say, like that, I can understand why. Just as I say, we've had an upbeat, fun show. I'm going to bring up something that is totally not, but I I wanted to make sure we mentioned this today, because I I think that this is a a really good thing and something that uh, uh, wasn't sure was going to happen. But I I'm sure you saw this over the the weekend, Gordon, that an arrest has been made in connection with the nearly decade old murder of Sherry Black. Um who was murdered at her business in South Salt Lake. And, of course, that is the uh, mother-in-law of Greg Miller, 
uh, of the Miller family. And Gordon, I know you remember uh, back when this happened back in uh, 2010 and how, um, you know, I remember the, the, the passionate pleas from, from Greg himself and his family and uh, for information. And apparently it got handed over to the cold case unit of the uh, Unified Police Department in 2017, I believe. And uh, we don't know much about, uh, let's see, um, his name, I guess, is Adam Dubero, um, according to KSL.com here. And uh, pretty uh, pretty amazing that, uh, that something is developing in this case. And I, I'm just happy, I guess, for, for Greg Miller and his family because I, I can't imagine going through something like this. Oh, horrible. No doubt about that. Holy cow. It's so justice is served. Absolutely. And I will be very, very curious. Um, uh, I will be very, very curious to, to follow this and, and see what uh, how the legal system, uh, what conclusions it comes to and find out a little bit more about it. Because this has been something that has been absolutely vexing. Yes. And, uh, you know, really sad. Because by all accounts, uh, you know, it's just a kind of an all-American family operating uh, multiple businesses out of their uh, out of their home, and uh, this was such a strange thing. Austin, uh, he did conf- he confessed according to a, a story you're seeing. Says here, according to the police booking affidavit on October seventh, DNA was collected from Durbaro and submitted to the Utah Bureau of Forensic Services, and a match was found with DNA collected from the scene of Black's murder ten years ago. The affidavit also states that Durbaro confessed. To the homicide after he was notified of his Miranda rights. Wow, that's amazing. Wow. So I'm I'm glad that that family can get a little get a little closure, a little justice. I mean, and it, it just I don't know what the stats are, Gordon, uh, of uh, of murders that go unsolved after X amount of time. You know, if you've seen that show, the first 48 or whatever. You know, a 10 year old murder case. I don't know what the odds of that getting solved, but it can't be good. No, I, I would imagine not, but uh, wow. Well, somebody's doing some good work. Absolutely. So I, I not to bring us all down because normally that's your job, but I did want to, uh, I did want to bring up that story because I, I think it's, it's pretty amazing and it has a connection to, uh, to the Utah Jazz here. And I, I suppose it's not a huge downer, right? This is, this is good news that, that somebody has been apprehended. Yes, I agree with that. One hundred percent. All right. So there you go. Just wanted to make sure we mentioned that because I thought that story was a big deal. All right. Coming up next, we will get to more Big Show. Stick around. Uh, It's Monday right here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Wrapping up a Big Show. Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Another Monday. Comes and goes, Gordon. Another exciting day on the big show. Well, there's, it's always fun to do Mondays because uh, there's so much to talk about from over the weekend. So, yeah, I, it was uh, a an event-filled show today, and lots of good guests. Yeah, absolutely. We were we were jam packed today, which is great. Golf. Hope you got your fill. No more guests the whole week. Period. We've we've used them all up. <laughs> It's yeah, just, uh, I'm taking a break. I got gotcha. you. All right. No, okay, it, it, for every every show we don't have a guest. It's another incriminating audio from Austin. Uh, we'll do that tomorrow. By the way, we'll get Austin's incriminating yeah. audio going. I'm, I got to think of something. I don't know if I'm digging the not sports report one. It would be good. Why? Well, we don't want to lie to the listeners. Yeah, I don't oh. know if that's quite painful <laughs> enough for Austin. Every, every incriminating audio is a lie. 
Lisa's pet name for me is Bowler. That's not a lie. Hey, I'm Jake Scott, and I'm the newest Wahoo. That is. I don't know. They both sound pretty true. That, that is. Every, so, what so about everyone this one? That, the Beatles are worse than Limp Biscuit. That's 100% yeah, see, true. Everyone that you do is uh, a lie, and everyone I do is the truth. Is that what you're saying? Install lines are merely suggestions. How about. It's all BS. How about Pujol still has gas in the tank? Oh, no, 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 Gordon. we got to do something Mike Trout related. Oh, That's diabolical. Angels should cut him. Okay. <laughs> See, but here's, here's the little dirty secret. As the producer, it somehow will never be played. I know. It's stupid. So you should probably want me to not lose these things. Harper's overrated. Bryce Harper? Or not Harper. <laughs> and not your daughter Harper yeah, either. Yeah. I just oh, thought about, about that. Easy no, now. I mean, <laughs> Trout is overrated. Geez. For someone who doesn't like Bryce Harper, why'd you name your daughter after him? I didn't. I didn't. And that's your not what I. And that's not what I meant. <laughs> no, no, we like the name. Uh, we don't like the him though. The overrated baseball player. Yeah. yeah. How about that? Bryce Harper is much better than Mike Trout. How's he, it always bugs me that those two are are named together. Not even it's like, because one is is just an incredible baseball player, the likes that we haven't seen in maybe a century, and the other is a hack who uh, whose team who got has better. Good hair. <laughs> whose team got better the day he left. A hack, <laughs> they really? Won, they won the yeah, that's why. That's the why natty. he's making half a billion dollars a year because right? he tricked some ridiculously bad franchise into giving him that kind of scratch. I guess we should give him credit for that. No, Scott Boris did that. Yeah, that's true. Anyway, so tune, I'm with tune in tomorrow I'm for me to record audio you'll never hear played again. All right, uh, <laughs> it is the big show. We will talk to you tomorrow, Gordon. Enjoy your evening. You too, Jake. 97.5 and 1280 The Zone.